to the Vinyl Crawl, your weekly podcast about vinyl records and craft beer. I'm your host, Alan Miller, joined today by Matt Pfefferkorn. Hello. Hey, Matt. Howdy. Cut you off, sorry. <laughs> so today we are talking about a genre that is a bit silly in a few ways, but the kids love it, so we got to talk about it. The genre is dad rock. Dad rock. <laughs> Which I had to fill Matt in a little bit on it because he wasn't real familiar with Dad Rock. Um, but the beer we are drinking to go with Dad Rock is a Jack's Abbey Fire in the Ham smoked lager. Very smoky. <laughs> it has aromas of campfires and smoked bacon. And it does. A touch of pastrami. Touch of pastrami on yeah. the rye. Um, I just like the title. Fire in the Ham. Yeah. So, it, it says it's got 20 IBUs, which is kind of respectable for a lager, right? I mean, yeah, true. They yeah. usually don't have that You're much. Right. Uh, it's 5.4 percent alcohol. Uh, Jack's Abbey is out of Massachusetts, out of Farming Framingham, Mass. Uh, I picked this up last year when I was up there on vacation. It's one of the last ones I've got left to drink. This one was like the one that sat in the fridge and I would look at it and go, hmm, hmm. am I ready for a smoked lager tonight? I don't think I can drink this by myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a full full pint and nine ounce, or pint and point nine ounces, so it's a half liter of lager, so that's a little too much smoked lager for just me. Um, but it's, I think it's pretty good. Like, the flavor palette is not what you would think. Like, you get smokiness, you get you get a little of the bacon and saltiness from that, I guess. But then it yeah. just it just goes into a lager, you know. It, it doesn't overpower you with smokiness or no or meat. Or <laughs> too meat. much meat flavor. Yeah, it's it's a sandwich at first, and then I don't know. It just trails off for me. It's slightly bready. It does have a yeah. little breadiness to it. Of course, that might just be our mind playing tricks on us, thinking we're drinking a sandwich. Because yeah. it smells like a deli. Like when you smell it, it's like it's like the deli counter, or like when you go into a really nice, or a really nice deli. It's strange. It's like it has the aroma of smoked meats and campfire. But I like it okay. I don't think it's terrible. Yeah, it's not terrible. Probably better or with else a meal. We'd be pouring it out. But let's be honest. It's probably better with a meal. Like, it probably is actually. Like with a burger, it might be really could be or a ham sandwich well you got the ham sandwich in the glass or a dill pickle maybe just a side of pickle does it it has that flavor right it It has a little bit of it needs a side of a pickle it has a little bit of a finish that's like a little tart kind of like dill pickle like it has that like acidic thing i don't i don't know it's strange man i love this brewery though so i took a chance with it um they're also the ones that do that mass rising ipa that i really like or ipl i can't i think it's an ipl yeah that's the thing these are the guys that everything they do is a lager no matter what it is like even if it's an ipa they'll call it a lager just for shits and gigs like they don't they don't care everything's a lager with them here's the best line in the description about this beer Although hard to believe, this beer is vegan friendly. Vegan friendly. Or vegan yeah. friendly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it <laughs> says. So maybe if you got some vegan friends and you want, and they need to experience what meat tastes like without eating meat, 
Maybe Jack's Abbey Fire in the Ham is what they need. Maybe they used to eat meat. And they crave it every now and then. So get you Jack's Abbey. <laughs> what better way to to satiate your craving for meat than with a True. smoked locker yeah. that tastes like meat? Your friends come over and go, what the fuck, dude? Fire in the ham? You, you traitor. Know, you know I'm vegan. What is this? I can't have ham beer. You know I'm vegan. Oh, shit. So as a full yeah. disclaimer, like Matt said, there is no ham in this beer. No ham. No ham was harmed. <laughs> That that's a that's a hell of a thing. All right, and the album we're going to talk about for our dad rock genre is a very special album. That let me just let me before I get to the album, I want to set the set the theme of what dad rock is. Dad rock is a little bit jokey. It's not a real genre per se. It's just something that millennials and teens use as a. I'm not even going to say always disparaging, but sometimes disparaging comment about people's record collections. I I noticed this first on Reddit on our vinyl, which is some very oh, snobby sure. people on there. Yeah. But you know, people always like to post their hauls. Like here's my weekend haul. I, I got all these records and it's usually like Eagles, Dylan, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Boston, Boston, Zappa, like all these, you know, yeah. bands that had a lot of records that, that you see out in the wild pretty often. So the, journey, journey so the the term got thrown around dad rock as hey check out these records i have my dad showed them to me oh those are dad rock they're from your dad's record collection that's that's where the term dad rock comes from it's pretty much anything that's not new rock is dad rock it's it's kind of bullshit yeah let's be honest like it's kind of bullshit as a way to to put yourself superior to like older classic rock and whatnot but what's crazy is even Nirvana is considered dad rock yeah. to some of these people. The list of dad rock albums is absurd. It's absurd. And like, um, who else was it that I've seen? I've seen, I've seen ridiculous statements like Arcade Fire is dad rock. So what they start doing is any band that shows it has influence from music before them, they consider dad rock. That's not like cutting edge pop that teenies are guess teenagers. my morning jacket is dad rock then well from american dad because that's <laughs> that's how they got popular to a, seriously that's how they got popular to a lot of people uh, they were on american dad and I, it's a silly genre but one good thing about it is it affords us the opportunity to talk about one of your favorite albums yeah. one of my favorite albums growing up that was absolutely not dad rock growing up and that's tom petty's wildflowers Yes. From 1994, which you yeah. have a original vinyl copy of. I do have do an original you, Do you copy. want to go in a little bit about the journey to this to this copy? How The journey to it. And we should also say this copy's fresh. You haven't had it very long. It is fresh. Less than it's, 24 hours? Uh, we just topped over the 24-hour mark. So, so take me through the journey to Wildflowers. The journey. Or the evolution. I was trying to make journey comparisons there. <laughs> Once I escaped to the record store. Um, this album... Well, of course, I'm a big Tom Petty fan. You know, you have to like Tom Petty. You just finished you like the, the book not too awful long just ago. Just finished the book by Zanes. Yeah, that was great. Um, this album, probably my favorite Tom Petty album. 
even like with con- including heartbreakers or are you thinking just solo uh well definitely solo if we right. want to include the heartbreakers yeah it probably is i mean i like southern accents a lot i don't know that's the, not important though wildflowers probably is the top one i'd okay. say for me just because the time it came out where i was in my life you know those albums that when you hear a song, it takes you back or you remember what was going on then at that time period. So I always had the CD actually, because I worked at a record store and we got promo copies galore in the glory days. So I had a CD copy. I don't even think we were selling new vinyl then. So, but it came out on vinyl. Yeah. And the crazy thing is after looking at it, there are only two pressings of it a U.S. one and a European one. Right. And the U.S. one stayed in print until like 2007, maybe. Really? I mean, whatever press it was, that's what they kept pressing. Of course, at that time, a lot fewer records were being pressed. True. There there wasn't, even like a thousand record run would be huge at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the 90s, for sure. But, like, I don't think I really ever saw it in a store until the late 90s, early 2000s, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of fuzzy. I feel like I remember seeing it sealed on vinyl when I was a kid yeah. at some point in time. Actually, the record rack, I bet, had it. Probably. That's pr- in, in Glasgow. G-Town. Yeah, that's probably where I saw yeah. it. Chip. I think Chip yeah. had copies of it. But the store that I worked at, we carried a few new records, and that was one that we always carried. And so that's one of those that we'd order it every week, we'd sell it. We'd order it, we'd sell it. And I'd be like, eh, I need to pick that up. It's my favorite Tom Petty. But there's always something else to buy. I was not into, I've got it on CD, I need to have it on vinyl, or I want this one on vinyl. I would rather buy stuff that I haven't heard before. Yeah. You know, so I kept passing up, passing it up. And then I was like, yeah, I think I'll pick it up this week. Went to order it. It's on back order. And it was on back order ever since Indefinitely. then. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, this was the first copy I'd seen in over probably 10 years. Crazy. Yeah. So and you went and made the deal and, and I went took and her made home. the deal. I went uh, over state lines <laughs> <laughs> to get it. Now, but, it, but it's not bootleg Tom Petty. It's real deal Tom no, Petty. No, it's the real deal. Over it's, state lines. it's a yeah. It's a first pressing, and uh, you know the guy I got it from was real cool about it, and uh, I wanted to see it in person. And that's fair because it's yeah. One thing to note is it's not a cheap record to have if you want an original pressing. No. Even with Petty putting out a box set just recently. Has it come out yet, or is it still waiting to come out? The Are you talking about the live album? The no, live. isn't it? Isn't he reissuing all of his old records? Oh yeah, the box, the studio album box set. Studio stuff. album yeah, box. Yeah, yeah. That's already out. Those right? are out. Yeah. But you've heard some reports that that the, pressing the of pressing of is, wildflowers is not comparable to the original. Right. Which kind of stepped up my. Almost like it got remastered differently or something happened. Yeah, and I I didn't read too much into it other than, you know, they were comparing the first press to the new press, and it sounded 
flat or, you know, not and that's warm. Right. And that made you want to get the original press that much yeah. more, which like you were saying, doesn't come on the market very often. No, it's not. You can find it. Yeah. You can go on eBay and find it right now, but it's but ridiculous what people crazy ask amounts for of money, it. Yeah. yeah. But the price that was quoted to me, I felt was fair. So I went for it. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter what record it is. If it's one that means that much to you, there's, you know, there's that leeway where you'll pay a certain amount and yeah. because it just means that much to have it. It's right. not like you could never justify it as saying like, well, I'm going to play this every single day. So that makes it worth ever how much you pay. Yeah. It's just to have it in your collection. And anytime you want to listen to it, you, you can just it. grab it. That's, that's priceless in a yeah. record collection yes, for sure. It is. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's pretty awesome. My experience with wildflowers, it was pretty, pretty big for me growing up. That was one of the first, I want to say I had it on cassette first. I've got the CD at the house, so I know yeah. I bought it on CD at some right. point in time. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't have a CD player until around 97. Yeah. <laughs> so I was still rocking <laughs> tapes. I'd had one for 10 years. Yeah, I was still rocking it. Well, my parents were too cheap to buy me a CD player until around 96 oh, or 97. I had to put mine on layaway. Yeah, I mean, I was also it was... It was also like 12, 13, so I didn't have, yeah. didn't have a whole lot to go with there, but... I know mom did buy me a CD player maybe when I was 12, so that's probably when I bought it on CD. It was one of the first few I bought. I know yeah. that much. Um, the cassette was cool because the fold-out yeah. was awesome. Yeah, the cassette was rad. I remember really liking it. Um, and I also had the either single or CD single. Oh, yeah. With um, You Don't Know How It Feels. Right. Because I was pretty obsessed with that song, as most of us were. Great song. I mean, that, it was everywhere. If yeah, you watched MTV, that video, I refreshed myself today because I was like, I don't remember, I don't remember what the video was because I hadn't seen it in so long. Mm-hmm. As soon as I hit play, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. Oh, yeah. It's him spinning yep. in the circle with wild shit going on behind yeah. him. And then the fact that they kept, you know, MTV made that song so big and radio as well just because they bleeped let's roll another joint right they had to what was the radio edit well on radio they would they would reverse joint it'd be let's let's hit another like he never said joint they like flipped it to where it sounded all all such a stupid thing to censor stupid yeah and on the video when he says, let's roll another joint, they put the mic in front of his face so you can't see yeah. him say roll, which is ridiculous <laughs> as well. I mean, it, we think it's so silly now that you can't say roll a joint on TV. Yeah. But at the time, you know, it was it was still pretty risque to talk about smoking so. weed. Yeah, true. On yeah. TV. On TV. Strangely enough. I, yeah. It was just strange times then. Um, but yeah, that video got huge. Now, I... I remembered something incorrectly as well. And this is probably something a lot of people do. I thought Mary Jane's last dance was on wildflowers. Oh yeah. And that's because it was only on greatest hits. Right. It came out a year before wildflowers in 93, 93 oh, was greatest hits. Yeah. 94 was wildflowers, right? Or is 95 wildflowers? 94. Is it 94 or 95? Oh, we got a We got the a date. Tour check. was 94. Uh, yeah. It was 94. The tour was 95. So 94 was Wildflowers, and I think 93 is Greatest Hits. Yeah. So 
he was he was riding a peak with Mary Jane's oh, you're last talking about dance. videos, man. MTV wore that. The out. Kim Basinger, yeah, as a dead body and a right. weird dude dancing around with like. That was some yeah, heavy stuff for that it time. Was. It was weird. I can't listen to that song anymore. <laughs> I can't either. Uh, but I, I can, just, I remember not, how big it was. You know, like oh, it, was it was huge. It was so huge. Like yeah, it was everywhere. Like massive. Which is why you can't listen to it anymore, right? right? Every time you go to the grocery store to get get some groceries, Mary Jane's Last Dance came over the, the speakers. True. So, it's a good pause time. So one thing I found interesting with wildflowers was that even though it came out we talk about it came out in 94 even though it came out in 1994 it's kind of bucking the trend of the time oh it's, definitely it's a it's a kind of it's a laid back in a way it's bluesy mm-hmm. it is um it's folky at times you know there's some yeah. there's some just vo- vocal and guitar work on there some um, of it's Americana before it's Ameri- there was Americana. Some of it's American. The album art is complete Americana. True. Like you yeah. could put this next to Neil Young's Harvest, and they look like they go in the same right same yeah. genre. Yep. Um, <laughs> Neil's dad rock as well, so they're in the same <laughs> genre. Yeah. But one thing that I like about it, even though it doesn't sound grunge or you know hard rock of the time like neil young's a great example because neil young went the grunge route like he got yeah. heavy yeah. in the early 90s and this was released in the land of grunge pretty much that's what i was gonna say is so rick rubin produced it and that you can hear the rick rubin touch on it the bass is a lot heavier yeah the guitar is a lot crunchier on on the harder songs like right. like you wrecked me or uh what's another one that's that's got like a lot of uh well even like it's good to be king even though that's kind of a slow song it's got strings but right. that guitar is present and the thing about it's good to be king is it it still has that kind of depressed grunge feel to it cuz mm-hmm. it's that slow build kind of thing yeah. but at the same time like you know it's it's still its own thing right fact that rick rubin produced it and it has a lot of the features of grunge music without being grunge songs like the songs don't have the same um they're not as depressed as grunge songs right like, yeah. there's some happy songs on here i mean oh, the title yeah. track yeah. wildflowers right which yeah. is possibly my favorite tom petty song yeah would you i mean like how would you rank that one amongst the it's a great tune. I kind of view it as the intro to, I mean, to me, I view it as a concept album somewhat. It tells a story throughout. So what is the and, concept? I, I guess I'm I'm not hip to it. Well, this is just my own personal oh, okay. opinion right on. on it as far as like, and then after reading the petty book and all that and knowing what I know about that era. Yeah. 
you know, he's going through a rough time. I think that, no, that wasn't the time period with drugs and stuff, but like he's going through a time of without the heartbreakers, I guess that essentially, although the heartbreakers are all on the album, same thing as Springsteen, right? It's like, this is an album called Bruce Springsteen, not with the E street band, but yet 80% of the bands on the album. You know, it's kind of like Mike Campbell's going to be on every Tom Petty album, whether it's S- similar to like or... Costello and Neve, like, yeah, like Neve's going to be on every Costello right. album, whether it's the attractions and postures yeah. or whoever. Tom Petty just figured out a way to get rid of Stan Lynch. I'm ah. going to do a Tom Petty album. We're not going to call it the heartbreakers and everybody's coming down to the sessions, but we don't call Stan. Hmm. You know, I don't know how much you know about Stan Lynch, but he's kind of an asshole. Everything you've read, you yeah. know, and what people have said about him. So there's one in every band. Right. Yeah. So to me, Wildflowers kind of just sets it off with just the whole like you can't listen to just certain songs on this album. To me, you have to listen to it from start to finish. Hmm. That's interesting. I disagree with that. Yeah. I think you can pick and choose songs on it. Well, you can. And the only reason I say that is I think it falls apart a little towards the end. Oh, really? I think, well, I think the finish is super duper strong. Like the, uh, the wake up time. Yeah. Super strong. But I think the couple tracks before it kind of meander a bit. Oh, I like so, crawling back to you. Oh, I, I don't dis- house in the woods. I don't dislike them. Let me yeah. put it that way. I don't dislike them, but I don't feel the same strength with those as the songs that come before it. I felt yeah. like those kind of meandered a bit towards the well, end. Well, and see, but I view it as like Wildflowers and Wake Up Time are the bookends. Yeah. To the in-between and like leading up to it, you know, crawling back to you, the lyrics to that, and then following it up and ending with Wake Up Time. Right. Kind of compliments crawling back to you as far as, you know, if you listen to those lyrics and what was going on in the song. The next song is Wake Up Time, and that's the end of the album. So you're walking away going, hey, wake up, you know, look at the world fresh. I can see that. Get everything off your shoulders tight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can see that. That's in kind of a, I think that's a good assessment. nerdy way of reading into an album. So my favorite song from the album wasn't on the album as a kid. <laughs> it was the B-side to You Don't Know How It Feels, Girl on LSD. Yeah. Because you got to think about how old I was at the time. I was just getting into my teens. We all thought it was funny to listen to a guy sing about girls that were on all different kinds of drugs. You so, were on all kinds of drugs. I, not no, at no, that time. I'm a little kidding. later, but I'm not kidding. at that time. But I have fond memories from having the single, I think, of You Don't Know How It Feels yeah. and the B-side being Girl on LSD and getting on the school bus with my little mini boombox <laughs> popping on. We had two or three songs we'd always do on the school bus. One was Girl on LSD. One was, uh, there was a song, this is going to date me a lot, but there was a song that Offspring had on the, on the Offspring album. And the only reason we play it was because it said stupid, dumb shit, goddamn motherfucker in it. So we crank <laughs> it and scream it on the bus because we're kids and we're stupid. But that and Girl, we used to sing the shit out of Girl on LSD too yeah. because it was fun to sing about drugs. It's the it's the whole risque thing of it. We Actually, didn't even listen a, to the A side. It's we a only... great song though. The way he, I mean, yeah, 
it's just the perfect blueprint of a song of rhyming and telling a story and yeah it's like know, it's goofy but it's like an it's old cool. school folk song where they they took a funny premise and then yeah it's what dylan does he takes something right and then like makes it lyrical springsteen blinded by the light yeah, i mean it's the same same, same type of thing yeah so it's fun, but I, I have a lot of memories of that. I remember really liking It's Good to Be King. Oh, yeah. I remember really, really falling into that song, Great falling tune. in love with it. And there was a video for it, I think, that I used to see Maybe. on MTV. Yeah. Um, you Wreck Me, I remember from the radio a lot. Yeah. Seems like, because it's, it's got that driving that classic driving rock beat. sound yeah. where they could throw it in with any any classic rock music. That's... That's probably his most classic rock sounding song on here. The rest of them yeah. take the template of, you know, everything from. Uh, let's see, there was one that was that I felt was kind of like "Don't Don't Fade on Me." That's almost like a Richard Thompson song. Like it's it's just him and a guitar, and it's yeah, kind of folky. It is, but with an edge to it. Or a little blues sprinkled in, maybe bluesy folky. Yeah. Kinda, I just it remind me a lot of Richard Thompson. What about Honey Bee? Honeybee's great. Here's yeah. what I wrote about Honeybee, and I want to see if you agree with me on this. I think that Honeybee is what the Stones wanted to sound like in the early 90s with Love is Strong, but couldn't quite get the edge without the gloss on it. Right. Because yeah, Honeybee doesn't that. have the gloss. Honeybee is like the band's tight yeah. without having like production tricks to it. It's just like a tight blues jam. It is. But it sounds very Stones, right? Like... Do you get the Stones guitar sound in I there and the drums especially? Yeah, the drums remind me so much of Stones. Yeah, that was Ferroni, wasn't it? I Steve don't know. Ferroni. I'm not sure. Drums, I think his first, probably his first album with them. Really? Yeah. Because at, at this point, he's been in the band longer than Stan Lynch was. The drum sound, especially the snare hits, remind me so much of the Stones with like that, like the way he starts oh, the songs yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Reminds me so much of how Stone's, Stone's blues songs start with with Charlie kicking it off. Right. But theirs is so much better than what the Stones were doing at the time, which I, I think is a, a feat in itself. That Honey Bee and then also Cabin Down Below are two songs that I feel like the Rolling Stones would have loved to have written at the time yeah. to sound relevant without sounding like the Stones did at the time. Trying to be a dance band. Right. And <laughs> and also like you know the Stones are good at blues. Why why sugarcoat it with all these production tricks? You know, make it a blues did. song. They always and did. And that's what Petty did here was like, okay, we're going to have Ruben come in and make the bass really growly, going to make the guitars really crunchy, but at the end of the day, we're going to come out and perform this like a blues band. Which is which is what I feel like they did on those songs on the bluesier songs. Should have had Reuben produce. Man, their album. You know what though? If the Stones would have had Reuben produce it, you know damn well that Mick Jagger would have come in and said, "I want to sound like David Bowie or some stupid shit," and have Reuben like change their sound completely up to make them sound something weird. Yeah, because that's what he was doing at the time. He never could stick to what they were good at. Honestly, I guess Don was producing them as probably yeah their man. But I would have loved to hear a Stones album with Rick Rubin producing yeah, it. True, it could have been heavy and it could have been cool. Because mm-hmm. I mean, he he added a lot to this album. He did. 
Another song that I want to talk to you about and see what you thought was Only a Broken Heart. Mm-hmm. You think that could sound like a Big Star outtake? Almost. The Jangle Pop? Yeah. I've never thought of it that way. Like, I was listening to that today, and I, all I could hear was, like, the early Big Star sound, like, from the first Big Star album. Yeah. Where they kept their, their songs really tight and condensed. Right. But with that nice, like, jangly... Mm-hmm. guitar sound and whatnot and that's kind of what that one reminded me of yeah it it's does. a great song it's a great song that's the thing there's not a bad song on here no for not this at to all. be a double album yeah you know yeah not not a bad song whatsoever and even you know the big one you don't know how it feels is a great song it's a great song it um, is i don't think it's the strongest song on there by any stretch no, no. um for me, I like a higher place. Yeah, that tune just because it's you know it's upbeat, it's kind of positive. The lyrics are cool. Um, time to move on is good. I mean, outside of the ones we've talked about, "You Wreck Me" is great. "Wildflowers" is great. It's good to be king. "Honeybee," but the flow of it is perfect, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think it's. It, it ranks as one of the best albums of the 90s for sure. I mean, it always makes every list anytime somebody yeah. starts listing best albums of the 90s. Right. And um, for Tom Petty to put out an album like that in the 90s, I think says a lot too because, you know, he'd been on kind of a slope where he was became, beginning to be old hat at the time. Like, he'd done his thing in the 80s. Yeah. Everybody liked him. You know, everybody liked American Girl. Everybody liked uh, Into the Great Wide Open all that stuff, but then he kind of was getting lumped in with... Southern accents, free-falling. And you know when he did the Traveling Wilbury stuff and things like that, he kind of got lumped in with those those old guys. Well, and the way those albums sounded and the way uh, Full Moon Fever sounded and the way Into the Great Wide Open, they were all very similar blueprint, and you're starting to fall into that same pattern whether that was Jeff Lynn producing it who or yeah. Tom's style of writing at the time, who knows. But I think he got to a point where he just had to go off. Yeah, this go, is a reset. This what album the fuck is a am reset. I, gonna do? Yeah. I need to write some songs and I've written these songs that are a little different. Call Mike Campbell. Yeah. You need the Campbell touch. And even like a song like Don't Come Around Here No More, as much as I like that song, it suffers from the the 80s gloss, you know, like the overproduced 80s sound. Jeff Lynn production. Jeff Lynn, right. You this know, album... Bigger is better. Getting Ruben to do this album was genius because that let it be a reset. Yeah. Of uh, of Petty, like, stripping everything back. Mm-hmm. Which he went on a pattern of that from here on out. Like, yeah. from until today, he's still on that same trajectory of... Right. Let's play strip back instead of overproduce. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that um, I guess we can't talk about this album without talking about um, She's the One because yeah, She's the One came from these some, sessions. Yeah, that's true. Which had Walls on it, which is one of his which greatest great. songs as well. Yeah. Do you have two it? versions of Walls? One was sparse and one was kind of bigger electric. Yeah, right? that's odd. That yeah, it's true. Odd. Yeah. Um, do you have She's the One? Do you have that? Not on vinyl. On vinyl? I'm not sure if it was yeah. ever on vinyl. It was. Oh, really? Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I'm sorry to be putting more stuff on your, yeah, your list here. I'm already saving for that one. Chances are you no. can get that one for a, a little bit easier price than Wildflowers, I'm Probably. sure. Yeah. But I, there were a lot of songs that came out of the Wildflowers sessions. Yeah. And there's actually an album coming out this year or next. We're told this year. That's going to be like a second half more to songs, Wildflowers. Yeah, that we haven't heard. Which I'm excited for. I'm oh, really excited anything from that. that era, you know, I'd love to hear. How do you feel about his albums for like the last 10 years? Like the different ones he's put out. I, let me ask you this. This is an even easier one. What do you think about Mud Crutch? How do, do you like Mud Crutch? I like Mud Crutch. I like it and appreciate it for the simplicity and the fact that Tom said, hey, I'm going to go and get my old buddies together. Yeah. Let's jam. Yeah, that, that doesn't happen often. No. He's like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So let's do it. And it was pretty popular. Like, Yeah. You know, they played shows. They did actually a full tour last year. So what do you, what's your favorite, what's your favorite Petty album, either solo or with Heartbreakers, after Wildflowers, like post-Wildflowers? Mm, probably Southern Accents. Is that post wildflowers? Oh wait, I'm sorry. Post wildflowers. Okay, I was uh, like, yeah, maybe I'm... Echo. I like Echo a lot. So when did Echo come out? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. That okay. was kind of a dark album and probably a dark period. I think that's when Howie Epstein passed away and had a bad heroin so problem. When did when did Last DJ come out? What was the two thousand one? Two thousand Sam. <laughs> that's all right there's just people coming in and out of the yeah. pub like usual that's okay. uh that's a great album see i was thinking that's you might say album. last dj as being your favorite it might one. be last dj yeah with you. you belong among the wildflowers you belong in a boat out at sea some 